Amen. First Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. Amen. As we continue on in our series. Amen. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's word, I would ask that you do so. Amen. This morning. Amen. The Bible says this. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and all his fathers' house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And David became their captain. He became their leader, and there were about 400 men there. Let us jump over really quick to the second book of Samuel, chapter 23, verses 18 and 19. Second Samuel, chapter 23, verses 18 and 19. The Bible says that now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, that Abishai was chief of another three. And that he lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them, and won a name among these three, those three. But was he not the most honored of the three? Therefore he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. Amen. Again, for just a minute, uh, for just a uh, uh, a little bit this morning I want to continue on in our series of making a difference amen making a difference somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them this year I'm going to make a difference let them know tell them this year 2021 I am going to make a difference Jesus, we do love you and we appreciate you, Lord, and we just one more time come into your presence this morning, Lord, asking not that you bless your word, Lord, because it's already blessed, but that you bless the reading of your word and that you bless the application of your word, Lord, and that you would anoint the hearts and the ears of everybody that is listening today, Lord. Pray that a seed of faith, a seed of empowerment, a seed of change, a seed of making a difference would be deposited in somebody's heart this morning so that we could give you the honor and all of the glory because you deserve it. That and much more in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated there in the presence of the Lord. Amen. For the past couple of Sundays, if you've been uh, listening uh, or watching and staying tuned in, we've been uh, uh, bringing to you, uh, I've been bringing to you, amen, the uh, unrest and the mental state of, of uh, many people, amen, of many people as we... Uh, have marched into uh, 2021, amen, and uh, a lot of people that I have spoken to, a lot of people that uh, I have uh, have reached out to me, 
amen, whether it's been through phone or through text, there is a lot of people that are angry and upset right now and that are mad, amen, uh, and have brought that with them from 2020 uh, into 2021. And, and there are some that are bringing uh, it in from 2020, from 2019, and from 20. 15 and from 2010 and from 25 uh amen and and probably from before that uh, still carrying that burden of anger and still carrying that weight of uh of angriness uh into year after year amen and so we find that many uh people are angry and upset at uh, at the current personal amen maybe it's in their personal life or or even in local or even in global situations amen uh, we have been talking about how people are um, angry uh, with the virus amen uh, they're angry with the economy and they're angry at the closing of schools and businesses uh, a lot of people are angry at the loss of, of of human life and and people are even angry at each other can you say amen some people are even angry at each other family members relatives siblings parents Amen. Uh, angry at their boss. Amen. Uh, angry at their cousins and their tios and tias. Amen. Uh, uh, some people are, are still angry at the riots. Amen. That we witnessed uh, uh, during the summer last year and even the recent uh, attack on the White House. Some people are angry at the elections. Uh, they're angry at the government. Uh, Amen. Right now, and uh, some people are angry at this. Just this past Wednesday, there was more unrest uh, in Denver, in Portland, and in Seattle. Amen. Uh, thousands of jobs. People are angry because thousands of jobs uh, have already been lost through executive order. Just in the past 72 hours, uh, I was talking to my son uh, who works for a uh, uh, a contractor uh, 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 along the the southern border uh, of where he lives. He he uh, has a job with a contractor that has a contract with the government to uh, put up the lights on the new wall that is being built. But now that the wall has stopped, he's out of a job. Uh, amen. So a lot of people are angry. Amen. And uh, and we saw in the Word of God and how. Uh, a group of people uh, that are indebted. Uh, we saw in the Word of God, or we've been seeing in the Word of God, uh, a group of men that have been unhappy, that have been unsatisfied. Uh, we've seen a discontented group of mad men, according to the Word of God, uh, who went from those things, who went from being indebted, who went from being unsatisfied, who went from being discontented to 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 now being an uh, an elite, amen, an, an elite and powerful group of mighty men of valor, amen. That that a group of men that were on their way to failing at life, they were on their way to failure. They had ran to go hide, amen, in a, in a cave, to lock themselves up in a cave with King David. We find that this group of men who were 
on their way to, to failing at life. Now, graduating, Brother Oscar, at the top of their class. Uh, now, uh, maturing and, and being able now to transition from being mad and discontented to now making a difference in their life. And, and can I tell you, church, that when, when we make a difference in our life, it allows us to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. Uh, it allows us now, it gives us the tools and it, it even brings us the joy and the and the one to to want to go and and reach to a man by the name of Eleazar. Amen. And this man by the name of Eleazar, we see that uh, he stood in the battlefield with King David and he uh, protected a, a, a field of wheat, amen, that was going to be, uh, that was for the harvest of the people of Israel. It was their food. It was their, 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 their uh, uh, sustenance, amen. It, it was important uh, uh, to the children of Israel that they didn't lose this field, amen, because they needed it for their year of food amen and and we saw how he he stood back to back he stood shoulder to shoulder amen with king david and and they the bible says that he swung his sword amen with such fervor amen and he was he 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 swung it so hard and he had it so close to him that the bible says that his sword got stuck to his hand and we saw in that uh, uh, uh sermon how how it's important that we, that we keep our sword close to us uh, and then it become part of our hand. It become part of our body. It become part of our lifestyle. Can you say amen? And then we moved on to a man by the name of Shema, a man who, who didn't have anybody fighting next to him. But nevertheless, he had the power and the anointing of God on his life that saw him through. And we saw how this man, amen, while everybody else ran and everybody else fled, how he stayed there to prevent the Philistines from capturing the field of beans to, to, to establish a, a stronghold for future attacks on God's people. But today I want to introduce you to another brother of mine by the name of Abishai. Everybody say Abishai. Not Amshai, Abishai. Amen. The Bible says in the second book of Samuel, chapter 23, verses 18 and 19, it says, now Abishai, the brother of Joab, Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief of another three. He lifted his spear against the 300 men, killed them, and he won a battle. He won a name among these three. He was not the most honored of the three. Was he not the most honored of the three? Therefore, he became their captain. However, he did not attain to the first three. I mean, this is one of my favorite testimonies of a person in the Word of God or in the Bible. And some of you may be sitting there asking why this is one of my favorite testimonies. Because as we read this on the surface, it doesn't appear that Abishai accomplished very much. Yes, he pulled this 
spear up and he, and he took out 300 men, but it doesn't say that he did it in one shot. Uh, it, it doesn't say that he, he stood there and he defended a, a, a field of, of, of wheat or he defended a, a, a field of beans uh, or that it was his launching pad into, into something greater. He did, he wasn't preventing uh, future attacks on God's people. And, and so when you, you look at it on the surface, amen, it, it doesn't uh, say much to an individual. It doesn't, it doesn't wow an individual. But, but as you begin to dig deeper into the life of Abishai, you, you begin to appreciate and you begin to, to discover some valuable lessons that are going to help you and I, the church, amen, that are going to help us uh, transition from, from, from being upset or, 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 or being angry and being mad to a place where we are going to be able to make a difference. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody turn to their neighbor and tell them, stop being mad already. That's all right. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, stop being mad. I know somebody doesn't want to. And I want to glean this morning. I want to, I want to take some valuable lessons from the life of Abishai. And I want to put some, some powerful tools in your toolbox this morning. Amen. As we go to the first book of Samuel, chapter 26. Verses 6 through 9. We're going to start to, to pull from Abishai's life. We're going to, we're going to see what, what Abishai, the valuable lessons that, that, that Abishai did that left us, left the church that are going to help us uh, make a difference in our life and make a difference in somebody else's life. We want to be a people that, that are impactful. Can you say amen? Have you ever been around somebody that, that you, you maybe don't have to, you, you didn't spend too much time with them, uh, maybe a few hours or, or maybe even a weekend, or, or, but, but just that little bit right there, or, or maybe you spent a long time with them. Maybe it's a good friend or a confidant that, that has made an impact in your life. We want to be that kind of people. That, that we leave a, an impression, a footprint, an imprint, not a footprint, amen. An imprint, don't go stomping on anybody. Ugh. Leaving a footprint on you. An imprint on somebody's life. That they're going to remember what you told them because it helped them make a difference. And so the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 26 verses 6 through 9, it says, then David answered and said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, brother of Joab, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head and Abner and the people lay all around him then Abishai said to David God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day now therefore please please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth and I will not have to strike him a second time 
But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Now, in this portion of Scripture, for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, who don't know this portion of Scripture or what's happening, what's happening is is that uh, we know that this is the time where King Saul is the king right now. He is the one sitting in the chair. He is the one reigning uh, over Israel. Amen. But uh, we saw that he had lost his kingship and uh, through his disobedience and, and doing uh, other things in the Lord that, that uh, God didn't want him to do. And so ultimately he lost it. And, and King David as a young boy was an anointed king, but he hadn't stepped into that kingship yet because God was still dealing with Saul. Amen. He was kind of on, on standby and he was in training. Amen. But King Saul didn't like David. He became furious uh, of David he became jealous of David that that how are you going to be the next king amen and so he sought to kill David amen he 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 wanted to destroy David he him and his army they spent all of their money all of their time all of their resources just chasing after one man so that this one man would not rise to the occasion would not be able to do what was best for the people can you say amen and so he chased after King David, and, and that's where we find that King David ran to the cave of Adullam, amen, and, and these 400 men came to him, and he became their leader, and they became his army, amen, and these people uh, were ride or die with David, amen, because they knew that God had anointed him to be the next king, but now David finds himself on the run from his enemy, and so in this particular portion of scripture, we find that word gets back to David. Amen. And, and they say, hey, David, Saul and his army are over there camped out. And so the Bible says that King David, he sent out some spies to go spy out the land and to see what was going on. And they, they reported back. Uh, and, and, and we see right here where David stands up and he, he asks the question. He says, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And this brings me to my first valuable lesson that we pull from Abishai, amen, uh, uh, on how he answered uh, this question to his leader, on how he, he answered this question uh, 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 to, to the one that was over him. Uh, uh, he, he, he showed us, he showed us, Abish, Abishai showed us one powerful lesson, and that powerful lesson was that Abishai was committed. He was committed. Somebody turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you down? That's all right. Ask your wife or ask your husband, are you down? You know, there are a lot of things that I love about my daughter-in-law. There are a lot of things that I, I, I love about her. But the one thing, Brother Oscar, that I love about my daughter-in-law is that she's down. She's down. 
Because every time my wife sends out a group text to all of our kids saying, hey, do you guys want to go eat here? Do you guys want to go there? Do you guys want to do this? She's always the first one to respond. And she says, I'm down. Amen. Her response is always, I'm down. And in this portion of scripture, we read that Abishai was down. Amen. He said, David, I'm down. I'll go with you. I'll go with you into the camp where Saul is at. This man was committed. Amen. And for those of you that don't know what the, the definition of, of committed is, committed is, is, is someone that is dedicated and loyal to the cause, to the activity or even a job. Somebody who is wholeheartedly dedicated. And because Abishai was down and because Abishai was committed, the Bible lets us know that he stepped up. He stepped up. He didn't ask no questions. Uh, he, he didn't show any reluctance. Uh, he, he didn't hesitate. Uh, it, it, it was time to do something, and he said, hey, I'm in. Count me in. He jumped up out of his seat, and he said, here I am. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm down for whatever. The Bible tells us, Brother Ernest, that he was, he was 100. Amen. He said, David, I'll go with you. He was, you know, in a sense, what he was saying? He was saying, David, I trust you. David, I believe in you. David, I know you. I know that you are a man after God's own heart. I know you're not going to steer me wrong. I know you're not going to let nothing bad happen to me. I know you're going to stay and fight with me to the end. I know you, and because I know you, I'm down with you. How many of you have that ride or die? Whoever it may be. That the minute they say, hey, let's do this. Okay, I'm down. Why? Because you know that individual has your best interest at heart. They're not going to put you in a position where you're going to be harmed or, or where you're going to be hurt, let alone where you're going to be killed. And so right here, Abishai shows us a powerful, a powerful lesson of, 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 of being committed. And, and can I tell you today, church, uh, with all honesty, that, that, that the word commitment is, is starting to become a word of the past. People are no longer committed. People are no longer committed to their jobs. They're no longer committed to their marriage. No longer committed to their family or their friends or, or even each other. People are no longer committed to the church. 
No longer committed to the, to the things of the Lord. You know, remember, the definition for committed was, was loyalty. Loyalty is becoming a thing of the past. Especially in the church and in the things of the Lord and the things of God. And we find ourselves, it's, I'm sad to say that, that we have found ourselves in a generation where, where people are, are totally comfortable with, with somebody else doing the job while they, they sit back and watch. And if I can go a little further, church, they don't just sit back and watch. They sit back and watch and complain. And it's the time that we're living in. It's the generation that we're in. Nobody wants to come to the house of the Lord anymore for midweek Bible study. I remember 15 years ago when I came to the Lord, we went to church on, on, on Tuesday nights, went to church on Fridays, and went to church on Sunday. And I, and I, just, I just wanted to, to, on my day off, I'd go spend some time at the church. After work, if I had some time, I'd go to the church. I'd do certain things. And I know that, that you know, we have jobs and, and, and we're married and we have children and, and, and I understand all those things but how much, how, how much time are you giving to God and to the work of the Lord? Truly. Are we really committed like Abishai that when you hear of something happening or, or you see something happening uh, at the church that you, you pick up the phone or you drive by and you say, hey, I noticed there was some slats on the wall behind you, Pastor. What's going on? Uh, do you need my help? But we're living in a time where it's, it's slowly and it's slowly uh, moving into something else where, where our commitments are somewhere else now. Our commitments are in a place that are more important than the church, more important than the house of God, more important uh, than winning souls. Abishai wanted to be in the game. He, he didn't want to be on the sideline. He wanted to be on the field. He wanted to be with his team. Amen. Why? Because he knew it was a good work that David was doing. And you know when you can get behind, how many of you have ever had a boss that, that is a good boss to you, that, that treated you right, that respected you and, and helped you elevate in the company and, and took care of you when you were sick, he called and, or she called, reached out to you, hey, how you doing? Don't worry about it. We got your back. That was how David was with his men. And that's why he was able to gain their commitment. He was able to gain their trust. He was able to, you know, church, it, people will be loyal to you if you're loyal to them. If you're committed to them, they will reciprocate that by being committed to you. But we're living in a generation now where it's where you got to do it first and then I might repay it. Amen. But he said, I want to be part of this good work that David is doing. 
And the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. And so God has created every one of us, you and I, believers, followers of Jesus Christ. If, if you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're, you're a member of Christian Restoration Center or any other church because you're watching online today, then you have been created for good works. We have all been created for good works. You and I were created for good works. And we were created for such a time as this one. For such a time as now. Amen. And you know what I wish today? You know what I pray for? I pray, Brother Oscar, that, that somebody would stand up today, today and be counted. Do we have an Abishai in the house who is suited and booted and ready to go for all good works? Is there a man of God? Is there a woman of God today in the house today that will stay committed to the things of the Lord and make a difference this year? Not just talk about it, uh, not just sing about it, uh, not, not just a hum or him or whatever it is about it, but be about it. I'm not talking about lip service. Uh, I'm talking about being about it. As our brother James says, to be ye doers of the word and just not hearers only. I don't know about you, church, but I want, I want to be more committed than I've ever been this year. I want to make more of a difference this year than I've ever made in my life and in somebody else's life. But that will never happen if I'm not committed to the cause. You know, I like how the media team has started sending out on the app, the vision and the, uh, the mission statement of the church. It's simple. Go make disciples. Isn't that what the Bible says? Isn't that the Great Commission? Isn't that what he told? You go make them. Bring them in. So that we can strengthen them, restore them, and perfect them in God's kingdom. Amen. And so the first valuable lesson that we see from Abishai is that he was committed. He was down. Man, that was a down brother. That he just popped up. He didn't even ask where they were going. He just said, hey, I'm here, right here. Oh, a church activity, oh, I'm right here. Oh, go pray for somebody, I'm right here. Oh, give a home Bible study, oh, I'm right here. 
I'm right here, Lord. Put me in the game, coach. Put me on the field so that I can help make a difference. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Give God a round of applause right there where you're seated. Amen. So we see first that Abishai is committed. And because he's committed, it takes us to our second point. Because he's committed, he allows himself to be corrected. Woo-wee. Somebody turn to their neighbor and go, Woo-wee. hallelujah. I read that and I said, are you sure, Lord? He said, yep. He allowed himself to be corrected. He allowed himself, he, and, and you know what? He didn't even look at it as correction. He, he allowed himself to be taught. If we could just stop looking at things as correction and look at it as a teachable moment, then we would be much better off. So because of his commitment, he takes correction. Remember that Abishai, he said to David, he said, David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. He said, let me. You don't have to do it. He said, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. He said, I won't strike him twice. In other words, I'll get it done the first time. I'm going to do it right. Huh? We didn't come to mess around. We came to get the job done. Abbasai, hey, uh, he, he says, hey, the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hands today. Allow me to thrust the spear into him. I won't strike him twice. And David responded like this in the first book of Samuel, chapter 26 and verse 9. He said, but David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. Don't touch him. Leave him alone. He said, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? You know what David did? David said no to him. His leader said no to him. His boss said no to him. His employer said no to him. His pastor said no to him. And you know what Abishai did? Did it so powerful? And that we see where, where he is, has, has made a transition, where he's at a level of, 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 of maturity, where you can tell when a person has reached that level of maturity, where you can say no to them, and they don't push back, 
and they don't get mad. They don't get angry. They, they don't start throwing a tantrum and, and chuck the spear across the room. That you can say no to a, a mature Christian and, and they, don't, they don't stop coming to church or, or they don't stop serving or, or they don't stop giving or they don't uh, hold a grudge and, and isolate themselves. Where, where you can say where, where you can say no to them and they don't ask why you know why Abishai was able to do this stay committed and take correction because again he knew David and David wasn't out to get him David was looking out for him He, he didn't go run back to the cave of Adullam and, and lock himself in there. He said, I'm done. I'm done with this. Other soldiers, what's going on, Abishai? What happened? What happened? What, what happened? David said no to me. Oh, they're in the corner crying. Isolate himself. Look at what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18 and verse 1. It says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Woo-wee. Somebody say that or do that. Woo-wee. There's a lot of ooh-oohs today, huh? He said, it says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So a person that does not know how to be taught, uh, a person that does not know how to, how to be corrected is somebody that, that is seeking out their own desire, their own wants. And because they don't get it, they run and they hide. And I'm not talking to you no more. Don't even look this way. I'm not going to look at you. And, and in their isolation, they, they rage. They're mad and they're angry and they're upset. And, they, and, they, and when people are angry and mad and upset, they, they say things that they shouldn't say. They do things that they shouldn't do. Amen. And, and, and we are living in a time where, where so many are unwilling to, to take and receive correction. They don't want to be taught. You know, we're, we're in a generation where everybody knows everything. I know. Oh, I know. You don't even finish the sentence and they already know. How about if we did it like, I know. How, how about if you would have tried it like, I, I know. Well, if you would have just, I know. Well, let me help you out. No, I know. Well, if you know, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. You didn't know. Pulled over on the side of the road, got the cruise control set at 95, trooper behind you, wife next to you. You shouldn't have been driving so fast. I know. No, you didn't know because then you would have been doing it. Amen. I know. You know somebody that knows everything? 
but not Abishai. You know why? Because Abishai, Abishai was, a, was a, a mature brother. He was in a place where he knew he didn't know everything, where he still needed his leader to teach him. Amen. But we live in a time where so many are unwilling to take and receive instruction, to take and receive correction. Amen. King, King David, I was reading that and I was like, King David wasn't even being, he wasn't being mean to Abishai. He wasn't being mean to Abishai. As a matter of fact, he was protecting Abishai from doing something that was going to hurt him. Remember, he wanted to take out the anointed of God. He said, I'll kill him and I'm going to do it the first time. Don't have to worry about it. But David was protecting him. Protecting him from doing something that, that could have cost him his life or, or even put him in a, in a bad place with God. And Abishai, he, he allowed himself because he, he trusted David. He, and because he trusted David, he allowed himself to be corrected and he didn't push back. When David said no, he just stopped. He didn't try to fight it. He didn't try to push it. He didn't try to make it. He didn't try to wheel it on his own. And so those are powerful things that we get from, from Abishai. There's, there's many more, but, but just the fact that he's committed and that he allows himself to be taught, to be corrected. And I started looking deeper into to, to what are some of the things that we should allow us to, 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 to correct us. What should you and I be allowing to correct us. The first one is the word. We got to allow the word to correct us. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable. Hallelujah. Is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And so you and I should be allowing the word of God to, to correct us, to teach us, to build us up so that we can be complete and equipped for every good work there's a a, a lot of soldiers that that are that are going into battle and they're they're not equipped for the fight and then when the trial comes when the wind comes and when when the rain comes you you see their lives start to fall apart it's got to be the word church the the word you got to allow the word to correct you.
We also have to allow our fellow brethren to correct us. We have to allow it. We have to allow. The Bible says that iron sharpeneth iron. You know, two pieces of iron that you get together and you start to hit them together and they start to spark. You know what happens to those pieces of metal? They begin to get sharp. We have to learn to to allow ourselves to sharpen each other. And not get all mad, get ooh, the sister said this, you get ooh, the brothers told me that. I'm gone, I'm out of here. The Bible says to dust off your sandals. Yeah, but that's not what it's pertaining to. Taking it all out of context. And so we have to allow our fellow brethren to correct us as well. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 17 and verse 3. Jesus says this, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If you know that you know that you know that he sinned against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he accepts the correction, forgive him. I'm going to go further than that. Where even if he doesn't repent, still forgive him. Don't hold a grudge against him. Don't hold a grudge against her. It's not worth it. It's too much weight. Your shoulders were not built to hold grudges. You imagine that? I'm not going to fruit. What do you mean? You're rebuking me for what? Well, you did this and this so? Man up. All right. Take them to prayer. Amen. You got to allow the fellow brethren to correct you sometimes. And just know that they're doing it because they love you. And they want to help you make a difference in your life. Amen. You got to allow your leaders, your pastor, to correct you. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, and this goes even outside of the church, your employer, your boss. Sometimes we mess up at work and we do the wrong thing and our boss got to bring us in and, and realign us. Receive it. Don't be prideful. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey those who rule over you. And not, not like Lord over you or not. Just obey your leaders and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account and let them do so with joy and not with grief, grief for that is, is unprofitable to you. You know what I, I always tell people, and, and I'm going to use it in the church. This, was, this, this scripture has 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 really taken me to, to another level of, of just maturity, of, of, of servitude, of, of respect for my pastor. 
That although I'm a pastor, I have a pastor. That although I'm a pastor, I still need a pastor. And I have to make myself accountable to my pastor. Why? Because the Lord's going to come to him one day and say, Hey, Pastor Steve, you want to talk to me about Pastor Larry or Brother Larry? Man, how many of you have ever needed a, a, for a job? What do they call that? A reference for a job. We want that individual, when they answer the phone, to give us a good reference. Oh, yeah, he, he, he's a hard worker. He, he, he learns fast. Uh, he he's, he's always makes himself available. He's committed to his job. He's, he, he always shows up uh, on time. He, he, he doesn't, he's not rude to people. He, he's there when you need him. He's, he's, as a matter of fact, one of my most valuable workers. He is an asset to this company. Oh, man, you know, that employer's like, well, you better, I'm going to steal him from you. I'm taking him. Because I need one of them on my team. But can you imagine if Pastor Steve said, oh, man, Lord, where do I begin with this brother? Oh, man, he's, I don't know. I mean, he's not even faithful. He, he. He calls off all the time. He doesn't even show up. He says he's going to be there, and he's not. Oh, man, let's not even talk about his tithe or his offering. Lord, please don't ask about that. That's not profitable to me. That's not profitable to you either. And so we need to allow our leadership to, to correct us wherever we're at. Can you say amen? Amen. But most importantly, the one that we should be allowing to correct us is God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, the Bible says that you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. He's, Paul's talking to a group of people that forgot that there were believers that, that oh, you, oh, you must have forgotten, brother. Oh, you, you must be up there where you, you, you can't be corrected no more. Let me just bring you back down for a little bit so you can hear this. He said, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? I don't know about you, but I've chastened my boys. I've chastened our daughter. When they do wrong or they, they, they're being led astray by whatever it is, you, you got to, hey, come on, bring them back in, bring them back in. Sometimes, you know, you, you could do it with words and thank the Lord, but sometimes you need a ah, 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 ah. little paddle here, a little paddle there. Huh? 
They're going that way, just boop, 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 but just, you know, give them a little pat back over here to the center. Not all crazy. Ah! But that's what we do with our natural son and our natural daughter, right? We find them playing in the street. You're going to go out there and yell at them. Hey, get back in the yard. What's wrong with you? And the same thing with the Lord. We have to allow the Lord that when we, we get out of the yard or, or we cross the line or, or we get out of the fence and we allow God to yell at us, hey, I need you to get back over here. What are you doing? We have to allow God. And you see, Abishai allowed himself. He was, he was committed and he allowed himself to be, to be corrected. A lot of things that we can get out of that, but I, I, I drew those two things just for this sermon. But I, I want to I get away from Abishai right now for just a second, and I want to talk about Saul for a minute. I want to usher Saul into, onto the stage for just a moment. Because although history tells us and the Bible tells us that, that Saul was evil and jealous, he teaches us. And all of this right here, in this portion of Scripture, he teaches us a very valuable lesson that I believe somebody needs to hear today. Because I was going to just go off of those two lessons of Abishai. But as I began to look deeper into it, and God said, I need you to throw this in. Somebody needs to hear it. Now, I don't know who it's for. I haven't been around anybody for... God, I feel like I've been here all alone. Nobody comes by to visit no more, brother. They think pastor's got the cooties. Amen. Pastor don't have cooties. Pastor's got Jesus. Amen. But I want to show you a very valuable lesson that I believe that, that God wants somebody to hear. And it may not be a, somebody from the CRC family directly, but maybe somebody who's listening in Africa or in another continent. Because we have people from other continents and other countries listening to uh, 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 our, our messages. And that lesson that I want to bring to you is this one. Is that those that are committed to the Lord and the things of the Lord will not only allow themselves to be committed, will not only allow themselves to be corrected, but will also admit when they are wrong. They will admit when they are wrong. You see, although King Saul was committed to his own cause and doing his own will, he still teaches us a valuable lesson. And we see that lesson in the first book of Samuel, chapter 26 and verse 21. Where he says three powerful words. The Bible says, and Saul said, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will harm him no more. Because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Three powerful words of admittance. I did wrong. 
I have sinned. I'm sorry for sinning against you. I apologize. You know that there are many relations that struggle today because people refuse to repent and admit when they are wrong. They refuse to humble themselves and to say, I'm sorry. They won't apologize. They, they won't apologize to their spouse. They won't apologize to their children. They won't apologize to their family. They won't apologize to the brothers and the sisters and the Lord. Some people will never look within themselves or even consider if it's them that needs to change. They won't do it because they will never admit that they are wrong. And a lot of times they, they, they blame it on, their, uh, on their, their, their past. They blame it on their, oh, that's a, a, a generational thing. Uh, I, I never saw my father. He never made amends with people. Or my mother or my grandparents, uh, they never apologized or made amends with anybody. Challenge with that. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. But even Saul, as, as, as a king, that he wasn't so high up there in stature, he wasn't so high up there in position, that he humbled himself. Although, again, he was wicked and he was doing his own thing, he still knew that he was wrong. And he admitted it. You know, Pastor Chris Hewer said something on Tuesday that, that stuck with me. When he was talking about forgiving people when they wrong you. But you know what he said? He said, how about making things right even when you know you're not wrong? Knowing that that individual don't like you. Knowing that that individual has it out for you. Knowing that that individual uh, has a grudge against you. How about taking the first step of making a difference? Uh, not in your life, but helping them make a difference in their life. That maybe, if maybe you would just take the high road and go to the individual. And, and just start to break the ice with them. And, and start to talk to them. And knowing that they got something against you. Instead of isolating yourself or running from them. And leaving them themselves in, in their own misery. How about reaching out? You know, I, 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 some people tell me, man, Pastor, you still talk to that individual after what they did to you? Man, you, you, you still reach out, you still accept their calls, you're still inviting them after, after what they said about you. I don't got time for that. I don't have time because you know why? What if I run into them in the market? What am I going to do, turn and run? No, I'm going to go right up to them. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing, man? I've been thinking about you. How's the family? You know what it's going to do? It's going to blow their mind. Saul said, David, come back. I'm sorry. I have sinned. And so I believe truly today that, that in the year 2021, God wants us to be a people that knows how to admit when we are wrong and to make things right. Right. 
not be so prideful. Because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 18, that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, the Bible says that he who covers his sin will not prosper. You say, well, I'm not sinning. Well, the Bible says that for him to know to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is a sin. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. We need to be committed as we close. We, we need to be committed like Abishai. We need to learn how to take correction like Abishai. But we need to learn how to admit when we are wrong. Church, we can't always be right. You know, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit. I'm not a perfect individual. You can ask my family. And I've never stood behind this pulpit claiming or professing to walk on water. My shoes get just as dirty as anybody else's. But I've always learned to admit when I'm wrong. Sometimes people say, Pastor, you don't have to apologize to them. You didn't do nothing. Pastor, you didn't have to apologize to that individual. You didn't do nothing. You didn't say nothing. But why carry it? Why not just release it for both of us? You know, for those of you that are married and that go through a struggle and well, I don't have a perfect marriage either. <laughs> you know, we have our time to times. But when you can get to a place where I'm sorry. Forgive me. Even if it wasn't you, just for the, the sake of having peace in the home. have to be right if we want to make a difference in 2021 we need to be committed we need to be able to take correction and we need to be able to admit when we are wrong and make things right you know, can I tell you, church, that making things right doesn't always mean that things go back to the way they were. 
Just because you made things right with an individual doesn't mean things automatically go back to how they used to be. I'm not going to let that individual back into my house. I'm not saying let them back in your house. I'm just saying make things right. I'm never going to let that individual borrow 20 bucks no more. Just because you made things right don't mean you got to open back up your wallet. Can you say amen? Just releasing the weight this year, church. Let's, let's just release the weight this year. the weight this year. Be happy. Be joyful. Stop mean mugging people. And let's make a difference. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you so much for these men of God that we have been able to take valuable lessons from. Thank you for leaving your word to us so that it could make us stronger, it could make us better, it could make us a, a people that that are making a true difference. I don't want to just say I want to make a difference. I want to I want to I want to really make a difference in my life and I really want to make an imprint and an impact on somebody else's life this year. Lord, and I pray today for everybody that receives and allows this message to go deep down in their heart. I pray that you would Give them the courage to activate this word in their life, to turn on the switch, to give them the courage to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And that the application of your word in their life would be blessed that they would bring forth a, a hundredfold yield. So blessed that they are a blessing to others. Be with us, Lord. Protect us, guide us, correct us so that we can be committed, we can be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.